0: Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about the integration of marketing and sales, increasing revenue without increasing spend, which is something I know all of our audience is going to want to know more about, how to be smarter with a marketing strategy, and how to successfully enhance your marketing team. To help us, we have with us Brian Walker, president of StatWax, a performance marketing agency. Brian, thank you for taking the time, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Chad. Happy to be here. Excellent. So we always start with a kind of off the wall question, just so the audience gets to know you a little bit better. And I'm always curious to know, uh, especially since we've all had additional time uh, during the pandemic to develop hobbies, something that you might be passionate about that those that really only know you from a work perspective might be surprised to learn.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I would say, yeah, pandemic has been great for uh, for hobbies. And mine is super cliche. I love cooking. uh, (laughs) But the thing that everyone thinks is super weird. I even love like the dishes aspect. It is super calming to me. So my wife actually gets away with home-cooked meals and not even having to do dishes or anything. It's just like my thing. Like The kitchen is just where I live. So that has kept me, uh, that has kept me busy. I've refined many things. I have not attempted sourdough, so I'm not <laughs> ultimate cliche. Uh, but we're getting close. We're getting close.
0: Is there a favorite dish you have to do or to prepare that, that you really just love? that's
1: the weirdest thing. There's really not, I'm not sure. Sh- I, I'm not sure if I, I repeat a whole lot. I just, if I see it online, I'm like, that seems good. Let's, let's give that one a try. It's just all over the place. So again, I am blessed with a family who is very adventurous uh, when it comes to dinner, <laughs> if it's being cooked for them. So the, uh, the, the, world is my oyster basically. That's awesome.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing that with us. And so, um, let's kind of jump in today. And I want, I want to start as we were preparing for this, I was going through the materials. Uh, there's a perspective that, as a former marketer and then now as a sales professional, I kind of hit me and made me go, what, how does, how's this going to work? Um, and I think others may have uh, interest in understanding it as well. What is it that we can do to increase marketing effectiveness without our revenue associated with marketing without increasing spend? I would love mm-hmm. to get your perspective on that. Cause I think that's something that everybody's going to be very interested in hearing.
1: For sure. And and on the surface, I I guess the answer is probably going to seem a little bit vague, but I know we'll dive into it a little bit more. Uh, The way we've really found to dive in and say, how can I squeeze more out of my dollars or even reduce them while still improving my impact is it lies in the story that a lot of this data that's available can tell us that folks just aren't realizing can be tapped into and not even just like existing Data. What what are my past customers doing or what have they done or what are they, they reading and looking at from me? But this treasure trove of data and information and targeting opportunities that all of these platforms give us, even in this age of, of privacy, everything and, and no more tracking, there's still such a story. If you're capturing the right information, you can still engage sales in the right way without asking them to become data scientists because, you know, your (laughs) sales reps do do not want to do that. Exactly. Um, And and all of a sudden it just opens up this visibility, this this thing that's been a black box for so many marketers and for so many companies to say, oh, I truly know which dollars and cents produced for me and I can feel comfortable truly seeing and understanding if I cut this out It's ultimately not going to affect my bottom line. Or if I invest more in this, I'm going to get exponentially more out of it. Whereas right now, a lot are still looking at it as what is what is that last touch point? What is the most impactful final thing? And so they're missing the story of everything that occurred upstream that had an impact.
0: Well, and and so it sounds like you're talking about attribution, right? Attribution through the entire Process from first contact when they first thought about the problems that maybe you could solve or the first time they came across something like that piece of content, the attribution to show how it 's effectively driving into revenue and that 's where the the data comes in i 'm assuming
1: exactly exactly it 's um it's solving that that question that's been around you know in the minds of cMOs for for five decades now. If half my marketing works and half doesn't, who is here to tell me which is which? There are ways now to to take it even less than half and half and say, which individual touch point, what piece of content did we write? Did this webinar really ultimately impact things, and how much? you know, what was our return for each of these items that we're putting out there into the marketplace?
0: And so let's talk about that tech for a little bit, right? I have a – there's a personal – something catches in my throat at the mention of the MarTech 5000 because there's over 9,000 companies. And even in, like, the five minutes we've been talking, I'm sure a new one's been founded. And so there's this massive technology landscape for companies to have to sort through and choose from and figure out how to access the data and turn it into actionable insight. And I'm curious, if you were working with a client, how you might help them make sense of that landscape? How, how should they parse it in terms of really identifying which types of technology are going to give them the insights necessary to achieve that increase in revenue without that increase in spend?
1: Sure. And, and when it comes to to MarTech – and I'm in the same boat as you, right? The MarTech 5000 just became 10,000 since we since we started this. And I'm pretty sure half of them are now like sash unicorns just in the last five minutes. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy, the space. But the biggest thing that we have found on the MarTech side is um, there is no – you know there is no true do it all for you solution. It's all predicated on what are you feeding into it. Um, much like a CRM system, the most expensive Salesforce implementation is only going to be as functional as the information you're feeding into it. Garbage in, garbage out. And the Martech side is is really the same. And that's why we always kind of come back to that data aspect of if you are not clear on what milestones you're tracking and recording, what you're able to see in terms of who your buyers are, what you've conveyed about them or what you've gleaned about them as personas in, in some of the the digital journey and touch points that they need. If you don't have that, the best or most expensive Martech on the planet is not going to spit out the right thing for you. And by <laughs> way of example, um, you know, we encountered someone one time who who got a really great, well-regarded piece of MarTech, uh, was going to really help their ABM strategy and, and automate a lot of that on behalf of their, their sales team. And they set it up with how they had milestones and kind of post-lead actions and, and you know customers and all tracked, but they weren't doing that well. So they didn't record their milestones accurately. They didn't update them all the time. They didn't have enough of them to to really gauge, is this prospect qualified or not and why and what are they doing? They ultimately went three months with their MarTech trying to optimize toward the lowest quality prospects because when they'd be disqualified in their system, they weren't marked as anything different. It, It wasn't reading the right information. And so the machines are only going to take as much action as as we give them instruction on. And so if I'm vetting out a martech or giving advice on that, it's that you know there is a lot of room in a company's marketing stack for those things. But before you start exploring, shelling out dollars and implementing them, take a step back and really look internally. Are we using Our monitoring of what prospects do after they come in our door properly, are we recording and having visibility onto the right things to feed to an automation platform so that we know when it takes the keys over, we've given it all the context for it to actually go continue finding the right people or not?
0: Well, and it's an an interesting situation, right? So you've got the marketing teams. And like you said, for five decades, they've been trying to figure out exactly where my money's going. And now we have all this technology that will give us the insight if implemented properly. And that creates this different struggle for marketers to almost have to be some level of data scientist to understand what data needs to go in where. Then the new struggle of how do you translate that into something that a CEO or a CFO who doesn't really do that day in day out oh, yeah. is going to understand and that they can that they can be actionable with. That also then creates another rift, or, or I think contributes to, but correct me if I'm wrong, this whole concept of integrating marketing and sales. I've mm. been hearing for 20-plus years, ah, marketing and sales doesn't get along. Yeah, they're in the same family, but we can't get them. You know, Marketing doesn't understand what sales does, and sales doesn't you know understand how to leverage the marketing stuff. And so now we've got the data on top of it, which should actually make the marketers more effective at providing sales what they need in order to drive that revenue funnel. How do you work with clients or, or, or think, you know, why are people still struggling with this and how do we overcome it? How do we get those marketing and sales teams to work hand in hand?
1: Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the ultimate battle royale in business, <laughs> right? It's like the market. It's like, uh, I think of like the big anchorman brawl. Um, mm. it's just marketing and sales with pitchforks and, and, and stuff going at each <laughs> other all the time. Um, and it is, you know, fundamentally it, you know, from a top level down, it, it would feel like they're sort of like at odds um, in terms of goal, right? Sale wants the most qualified prospects or leads coming in the door so that they're not wasting their time on on leads that aren't going to lead anywhere ultimately and, and getting tied up in all of that. They want to know what are these folks' pain points? How can I talk to them best? And the marketing's over here like, well, you just told us send you weed volume because you're sitting around not getting calls all day long and stuff. Like, <laughs> what do you want us to do, right? Yeah, and, and heaven never forbid just they kinda, actually
0: pick up the phone.
1: Exactly. And then everyone's just like talk to each other. And, uh, you know, from the marketing standpoint, the one thing I always try and, and impart on our teams who are doing marketing on behalf of our clients is, you know, if we're kicking off with a client, the most important discovery and conversations we can have are with the sales team. The first thing we want to know is, Give us your best sales rep, who closes the most deals, who's who's fielding the most prospects, the highest dollar enterprise clients. Tell me, what are the three things that are pain points most often? Why, I don't want to know necessarily why people buy from you right now. We'll get there. I want to know why they do not buy from you. And as marketers, we're going to create landing pages that speak to those exact reasons. We're going to create ads that have testimonials that speak to how we solve that problem. Any of those perceived hiccups, we want to address right off the bat. And marketing teams never... I guess, want to sometimes put their egos aside and say, (laughs) it doesn't matter what I know from a marketing standpoint. I need to know what you guys are hearing because you're ultimately the gatekeepers to this person becoming revenue for this company. I need to know not what we're doing so great, but what do people think we don't offer? And what you don't see from a lot of companies in marketing is them addressing pain points proactively that way. It's all about, you know, here are the biggest value props and sales points and everything. They're never outright saying like, oh, you think we don't do this? Check this out. Or, <laughs> or really sitting down with sales and saying, after all the great stuff we put out there, what are we still not addressing yet? And giving sales teams, I think, the opportunity to understood that they're heard and understand that their conversations do apply to the marketing side is very beneficial But then also spinning it as, again, if we go back to the data and attribution, sitting down with sales and saying, what would you be able to do if when a lead came in, you could immediately see because it was tracked which case study that person had already spent the most time on or which testimonial resonated most? Would it help you personalize that conversation? Like, What if you could qualify their pain points? Based on the, the the issue that they just searched on Google before coming in. And those are things that I think sales sometimes doesn't understand can be captured and sent their way to better arm them. Each side just always thinks that they're trying to work with data and conversations that the other side doesn't care about. And when you bring them together and really start to kind of sit down at the table and have have those things, you realize how what marketing and sales are doing actually has so much impact on the other side. And that Venn diagram between the two has a ton of overlap.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and what's interesting to me is we actually, I mean, you have platforms today that will tell you what content – your sales team is actually using, right? Mm-hmm. CMSs will tell you what's being pulled, what's being accessed, how is it being used? The marketers c- should be using some of that information to craft the content that's being accessed the most uh, often. Sales then also needs to be honest and say, hey, I'm using it, but it's not helping. Or mm-hmm. I'm using it because it's all I have and I didn't realize there was something else. So we also at some point have to train the sales team how to effectively use the CMS and understand where. different types of content are. Everybody's producing content. So now the question is, where is it? How do I get to it? And how do I most effectively use it? So this comes back to thinking through like, how do I develop a strategy? Not only a a go-to-market strategy um, and what is my marketing content strategy, but also build in that strategy to integrate and train and make sure both sales and marketing are on the same page, leveraging that data effectively. And I'm curious... Do you see a difference in the way higher education organizations should do that than maybe a saAS company, or are the foundations just the foundations uh,
1: so interestingly enough, they do really ultimately operate and need to focus in kind of the same way um and and that's a great question because you know what we do as an agency, our two verticals are like B2B, SaaS, and higher ed. And most folks come in and say, how on earth are you doing those two things? It could not be more opposite, right? Um, you know, B2B, or SaaS especially, is like 8,000 miles an hour on decisions, growth, et cetera, and EDU uh, gets outpaced by glaciers. So it's just <laughs> it, you know, fundamentally business-wise wildly different. But the story is kind of the same. We're asking some ultimate buyer to make a very big investment long-term decision whether you call them a customer or a student, an admissions rep or a sales rep or a biz dev, you're capturing lead information, and there's probably a lot of competitor noise in the marketplace as well. Everyone's looking at multiple schools when they apply. Everyone's looking at multiple SaaS products when it's time to sign an enterprise-level contract for their company um, that's going to last them a year or longer. And so the need to bridge the gap between those teams and build enough visibility in the data so that no one has to become data scientists, but they can still easily see the narrative and understand how to take action on it is the same. It's just on the EDU side, it's all about the admissions reps being able to see what programs did they look at. Is this particular area of the financial aid page more often visited By folks who eventually become enrollments, i.e. can we glean something about a potential pain point from that content to, to build off of or talk to? Same with the SaaS side is this particular solution product feature is this webinar we did better. So many sales teams we talk to know that their company puts out a webinar a month and has no idea what kind of traffic one gets versus the other. They just know they're a really good thought leadership company. They don't know what, as you said, particular content resonated most. Same with EDU on you know, these particular programs, these career fairs that we're at, things of that nature.
0: And so when you work with these two different types of companies and, and you're helping them come, come up with those strategies, what are like the first three things you look at or the first couple of things that you're going to do to help make sure they're developing a strategy that's going to be the most effective given their focus, whether it's SaaS or higher ed?
1: hmm Uh, first and foremost is just really auditing and getting them to a baseline of being able to see how that content is, um, ingested, who's looking at what. And as you mentioned, there are tools out there, you know, CMSs that can do a lot of that for you. Um, most folks, you know, would be familiar enough, you know, to say, oh, I have Google analytics on the website, but a lot of times misses the story and, and the detail that you can go into there. So, If you have analytics on your website and on these blog pages and webinar pages, do you have reports or segments made where you can go in and see which one had the most value in eventually producing this conversion? Do you have it set to track when someone ultimately requests a demo or looks to schedule a sales conversation? If the answer to that is no, we've got to really reverse engineer that. Well, first we have to figure out what value actions do we want to track? And then how can we use that data to see what content, what pages, what journey played the best role in producing those value actions? And that gets very data heavy. So part two to that is how do we tell the simpler story to folks? Because. As I'm sure, you know, we're not going to sit down with the CEO and be like, hey, let's look at your Google Analytics report by report. <laughs> it's like if they, if they don't throw us out of the room, they'll at least glaze over immediately. And a lot of the sales team is like that, and we should expect them to be. That's not their world. We have to take that and figure out how do we build the narrative, the visuals in the report, or the, the system, as it were, that best conveys the key need to knows to them. If we're seeing all of that and we get everything set up to track, to attribute, to tell us this page, this content had the best part in this journey for this audience, how do we take that and distill it down into the couple bullet points of you need to know? And that's where the reporting piece, you know, really comes in, uh, you know, visualizing out so they don't have to log into Google Analytics, you know, they can get an export of the two key takeaways and say, "Okay, over the past month, of our our best closed customers first started by engaging with this webinar. Let's maybe speak to that webinar more or to people who request a demo, send them that webinar afterwards if they haven't seen it yet, knowing it seems to play a good role in, in convincing them this product is right for them. And so just building that narrative and shutting down at the start the mindset that maybe folks are going to have to become data scientists, because that's when they there's a lot of pushback early on from sales, from C-level, et cetera. They're like, Eyes these guys are going to come over. in. Exactly. They're <laughs> going to come in and they're going to tell me I need to live in Google Analytics and live in these marketing reports and all. And they're like, I'm, I'm not going to be about that at all. We can disarm that by saying, here's what we're going to give you that you need to know let the data nerds handle the rest we'll we'll get that
0: built for you so that you can see the narrative you truly need love it i think that gives everybody a really a decent understanding of kind of what you're doing at statwax but i'm curious to know a little bit more about the company and and how your journey to to become president how how did we get there <laughs> tell us tell us that story
1: yeah so my journey to this position was uh a lot of right place, right time, I guess. Um, <laughs> I've been I, I've been with the agency um, and our, our sister agency uh, for many, many years. But I was always on the execution side. So uh, for any listeners who haven't figured it out yet, I'm a data nerd. I am. No, yeah. I just that's that's what I live in, right? Um, and building that that strategy and working with clients, both EDU and SaaS, over the years, who have needed that. My kind of primary role has all had always been help build that narrative, help build those systems, build the tracking attribution, et cetera. At the end of the day, we are a full service agency, so we do the ads execution. You want paid search, you want paid social, et cetera, awesome. But we learned early on the only way we can do that effectively is if we pair it with the data piece that says, here's what's working and why. If we develop something that can go to the CMO, the CEO, and say, you trusted us with this much of your dollars Here's why it worked, and here's where you're still leaving opportunity on the table. And so as we sort of leaned into that data-focused capability, that's where I moved into this position a bit more to help build out those teams and and ensure we and our clients are staying at the forefront of what MarTech is doing, what analytics is doing, et cetera. But ultimately at StatWax, clients come to us because they're saying, I need to know what I should be spending in marketing because I need not just leads – I need quality leads and I need my sales team to stop telling me that our last agency (laughs) just gave them a whole bunch of crap that wasted their time. And I need you to tell me, what's working and why. And I can't find someone to do that for us, you know, soup to nuts. And and so that's really where we try and plug in with our clients.
0: Perfect. Perfect. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as a president, as a leader of a company, (laughs) that makes you a target, excuse me, prospect for a Mm -hmm. lot of people out there. And I'm always curious to know when somebody's trying, when there's no trusted referral, it's like somebody's not saying, hey, you need to talk to this person how what works best for you when somebody's trying to capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar
1: personalization is huge for me um obviously you know sales pitches especially for martech as a as an ads agency uh, are are kind of a dime a dozen and a lot of them try and get really in the weeds about the data and the attribution a lot of what we've talked about today too and and that's neat and all, but it becomes so blurred because, as you said, the Martech 5000 is now twice as large. <laughs> and and it's just it, it, they're all kind of doing a lot of the same things. But I've seen some really good stuff from from a personalized standpoint. Ironically, there is Martech that helps you personalize your sales outreach. It's like just this inception going on in the industry. But folks will look and see, like, what am I interested in? People know, like, oh. He went to South Carolina. He's a long-suffering Gamecock sports fan. Like, <laughs> oh, Statwax is in Indiana. They're they're big on um, Chicago dogs and, and right. tenderloin sandwiches. Like, those little things worked into stuff um, are are awesome and they catch my eye. And when I go to a landing page through an ad, or when I go to a website and they're running Martech like Clearbit that pulls my company logo and my website image and right. throws it on the website. It's like, see yourself here. That's really cool to me, and it's not that difficult to do. It's just a little heavier lifting to really get to know someone in a one-to-one outreach, but it means a world of difference versus when I go to some SaaS company's website, and it's just a never-ending scroll page of product demo videos that are like, here's what we do, here's what we do here are five client logos and their clients are like Coca-Cola and GE. And I'm like, good gracious, I'm an agency in in Indianapolis, Indiana. I cannot relate to GE right now, you know? I, I would it. like to. One day, I would love to say we're the GE of agencies, but we'll have to we'll have to chat in a few years how that's going.
0: Oh, perfect. All right, last question. We call it our Acceleration Insight. If there is one thing you could tell sales and marketing professionals, one piece of advice you could give them that you believe would help them hit or exceed their targets, what would it be and why? Oh, I am.
1: Gosh, Chad, I'm so tempted to 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 play dad here and say just talk to each other, but that's too easy. I, I won't do that. That's a cop out. Um, <laughs> I would say from both sides of things, don't be fearful of what you're seeing talked about in the data and analytics space. That can be a big turnoff right now because it's going to make you think I need a data science degree or I need an engineer on this team to help me to help me make heads or tails of this. That's not the case. Don't get lost in the privacy and the cookies and all of that discussion going on. Just know That there is a treasure trove of stories lying in the stuff you're probably already capturing or that's available to you in just your everyday ads platform or your everyday CRM that you might not be tapping into yet. And if you can come together and look at that, the behaviors and trend lines you can pull out could drastically alter how you talk to folks and how you qualify and monitor what's going on. But there's such a huge resistance to diving into it because it seems like such heavy lifting to get into that data because of the fear of the unknown. Dive in and take a look with some folks, and you'll be amazed at what you can see and the stories that you can tell and what you can make understandable for the layperson at your company to take action on.
0: Love it. Ryan, I can't thank you enough for being here today. If a listener's interested in talking more about these topics, uh, we're getting in contact with you. Where would you like us to send them?
1: Uh, statwax.com is great. It's, uh, we've deliberately kept it simple to find us there. S T A T W A I am a uh, Brian at statwax.com. So you could always email me directly, but, uh, but yeah, you'll find what you need on our website. And I would, I would love to have that chat if something today has, has caught your interest. Awesome. I can't thank you enough for
0: taking time. It's been great having you on the show.
1: Likewise, Chad. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the questions, and hopefully we helped some uh, long-suffering sales or marketing (laughs) team out there maybe be friends a little bit better today.
0: I hope so, too. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill, b2bwebrevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, do us a favor, leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success.